Hello, lacrosse friends, and welcome to Box the Beat. I am Stephen Stamp, your host. Very exciting show this week. I am joined by Chris Gill, the head coach of the resurgent Vancouver Warriors. Back-to-back wins in which they've given up a total in two games of 11 goals. The defense and goaltending from Eric Penny have been outstanding. Talk to Chris Gill about what's led to that. The game that was kind of the impetus for it, which was a massive 18-10 to 10 loss the week before this winning streak started to the Philadelphia Wings, and how that may have just made everybody take a closer look and help to actually turn things around for the winning streak. I talked about last week in the NLL, taking a look at the goalies who are still shining in this 2020 season. Uh, we take a look at the Arena Lacrosse League and a player who is ripping it up, one of the many who have their eyes set on chances to play in the National Lacrosse League as soon as possible, obviously, but certainly down the road at some point. And we look at next week in the NLL, which includes a game that I'm going to get a chance to call, and I'm pretty excited about that. So, glad you are with me here, lacrosse friends. Thanks so much for being on board. Enjoy the show. This season, I wrote in my musings column on IL Indoor about the amazing starts to the season that goalies were having. Nine goalies had save percentages above 800. Three of them, at one point a few weeks in, were above 900. Now, for a little context, from 2005 to 2019, there were a total of six times the goalies posted save percentages above 800 for the season. That's six times in 15 years. Four of those, by the way, were by Matt Vince, four of the six. Right now, there are five goalies who have a higher save percentage than the all-time high mark for a season that Ken Montour set of 813 back in 2009. And there are still eight goalies at this point who have a save percentage of 800 or above. Pretty impressive. The leader right now is Doug Jamison. He is he moved ahead of Zach Higgins. Jamison sitting first at 827. Higgins at 823 right now through 10 weeks of the season. So some pretty impressive stuff. And a really interesting fact is that half of the eight guys who are above 800 are in their first or second season as full-time starters. So that means... One, there's some room for volatility. I mean, younger goalies tend to have a bit more ups and downs or a few more ups and downs. But it also means pretty promising future for many goalies and their teams looking ahead. One other note to make is that of the eight goalies who are currently above 800, Matt Vince is not one. He's actually sitting just below the pack. He is in ninth place and just below the 800 mark. Mike Poulin, also not among the elite 800 group. So pretty amazing stuff going on for the goaltenders in the National Lacrosse League this season.
Joining me on Box La Vita, the head coach of the Vancouver Warriors, Chris Gill. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it's a, a great week to be for us to be chatting because you're coming off a couple your second straight win, um, and it's it's interesting to look at the situation you find yourself right now because you know you guys last year went five and thirteen, gave up twelve point three goals per game. This year you're now three and four giving up 11.6 goals per game, but you look at the last two weeks, or the last two games, over three weeks, just 11 goals, goals total and wins over Colorado, Colorado and New England. And, I mean, it's not like this was against expansion teams. These are against some pretty solid clubs. So I'm curious what you saw or what you've seen, what you feel has kind of led to the turnaround, if you think it's, you know, if you'd call it a turnaround. Well, I think... Um... You know, going into Philly a few weeks ago and basically getting it handed to us all over the floor um, was a bit of an eye-opener for us. And um, I think it uh, kind of kicked in the pride and character of the group. Uh, we were embarrassed of that game. So, you know, had a week off to you know, mull it over. And then uh, going into the Colorado game, uh, the guys clicked real well. We focused on good prep. Uh, the execution was uh, was excellent. And, you know, um, our goaltending was great too. So, you put all that together, and, and it's uh, a good recipe for success. Uh, and then so we had, you know, the New England game this past weekend here, and uh, you know we had some good prep and, and good film, and and uh, we set out a game plan, and, and the execution was there uh, defensively, and and uh, and in that there, uh, Eric played really well in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, both games, we uh, we shut down reverse trotting too, so on offense. Has to be responsible for uh, for things like that when it's good too, because a lot of times offensive uh, offensive guys get uh, get ripped apart when they give up a uh, reverse penalty, and, and the guys have really settled in and stopped that. So uh, it's been a, it's been a team effort the whole way through. The uh, I think the interesting thing, I mean, that the Philadelphia game, where like you said, you got to hand it to you pretty good, and it drops you to one and four to start the season, and given. You know the recent history of the team over the last several years, not winning a lot of games. Um, you can see how, from the outside, it'd be easy to think, "Oh, they're going," or, or thinking you guys would be thinking, oh, "Oh boy, here we go again." You know the the losses are piling up, but it turned around. And and watching, like you said, it, it looked like a very different team when you went into the Colorado game. It, it didn't seem there was any of that attitude. It didn't seem, looking at it, at the team, the way they played, like that was the case at all. So it sounds like what you're saying from inside the team is that wasn't the way you approached it, that everyone sort of took it as a wake-up call to, to really do what you need to be doing. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, in many games, you're on the way where you shake your head afterwards with um, you know, throw the film away and, and prepare for the next week and, and say that's a one off. So hopefully that's that's our one off. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not a heart and character that that our group has. Um, you know, we we don't look in the rearview mirror. We don't we, you know talk about what it was like three, four, or five years ago. Um, a completely different group. Uh, kind of uh, player change and you know, obviously coaches and ownership change. So uh, this is a neat neat squad here and. and with, the past is the past, and we're just looking forward every game. So, you know, I love the group that we have, and, and you know, they, they want to be there, they want to win, uh, everyone hates leaving. Um, so, this is a, it's a nice to see the little turnaround here, but we, we need to keep momentum uh, this week against a tough Buffalo team. 
Yeah, I was going to say that was my next question was, I know coaches on the whole, as, as a group, tend to be, you know, happy with what's happened if you have a couple of good games like that, but there doesn't seem to be a lot usually with coaches, and I'm sure you're the same from everything I've talked, whenever I've talked to you, get the same sense. You're not going to dwell on the, the bad game, like you said. You're also not going to get too caught up in, hey, we've had two good games, we're all set. Obviously, Buffalo's a tough team, very difficult offense to deal with. That's going to be a big challenge for the defense and goal team that you've got that has been playing very well. Yeah, you know, you're sitting at uh, three and four, so, you know, don't start patting yourself on the back too quickly. That's, yeah. uh, that's kind of the mentality we're going to be having. It's uh, business as usual, and um, we got to make sure that we're prepped well and, and ready, to, ready to go and, and, and know the, the opponent, know their tendencies, and, and execute our game plan. And, and that's really the focus. Um, when we lose going into the next week, that's what it has to be. So, uh, we'll, like I said, we're trying to keep uh, keep things positive uh, throughout the year and, and just build on this uh, momentum that we have right now. But, you know, we didn't, we didn't win the NL championship. We won two games in a row. That's basically what it comes down to. It's interesting. I find when you know players always talk about the game plan that's been implemented, and and you know we had a good game plan, and you're just mentioning you know you execute the game plan. And I'm curious because the other thing that seems almost to counter be contraindicated to that is coaches will often talk about, hey, we're not really looking at the other team and what they do and what we have to do to deal with them. We're looking at doing what we need to do. But, it's you know, yeah. it seems like if you're going to have a game plan, it's kind of based on what the team you're going to play is, is what they do. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> everybody has, you know, systems that they want to run yeah. uh, for their team. And, and you know, we, we like to stick to our systems as much as possible, but... You know you're you're playing against teams that uh, that have elite players, and and you got to find a way to shut down some of those elite players on the back end, and and at times you got to kind of get out of your system to to adapt um, and be ready for whatever they bring you. So you know when we talk about game plans, it's uh, it's for the most part sticking to what your systems are, but you know being ready to adapt on the fly or, or have have something in the back pocket. If they, well, Callum Crawford's going off for 20 goals. You, you, you got to figure out how to stop him and kind of get out of your game plan. So there, there's there's little nuances within within each game plan and within each system. And I think every coach kind of kind of knows the opponent and knows that their game plan or their systems will work against that team. So it's just one of those flexible things that way. Yeah. When I talk to players, they often say, you know, we we're done with that game. Then we get the the tape. You know, the the coaches or the manager whoever's in charge whichever coaches that does the film work puts the video together they get that that gets usually emailed out the guys watch that to see what they did what they can do and and start applying that and I'm curious at what point in the process like when you sort of will implement the uh, the tweaks that you're doing like, is that something that you're talking through the course of the week and then really apply it at at uh, shoot around or how what's the process of of implementing things yeah, uh, you know, we, we like to um, we like to practice midweek, uh, give guys some rest from the previous week, and and then you know also have it midweek so that you're you're fresher uh, for game days. So that's kind of what what it is. So saying that, you, you got to get your video out, watched, prepped. You know, talking with coaches. You know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, leading into uh, leading into practice to kind of get what game plan or or, or you know. 
the ins and outs of the opponents you're playing. So for us, it's it's, it's a quick turnaround, mm-hmm. and then as the week goes on, you know, we're sending out video and and talking. You know, if it's via phone calls or text messages or group text, uh, and then when it comes to game day, you know, we have a video game day as well. But it's uh, for us, it's it's mostly getting it out early as possible and, and prepping for the midweek practice, and then after that, you know, you kind of have your uh, together and, and and do a game day as well. And obviously the midweek practice that I, I think most teams, if they had their druthers, would do. I know it doesn't work for a lot of teams, but for guys like, you know, you guys in Toronto and um, Rochester historically, uh, Buffalo that have had that chance, obviously it's worth having the uh, having to do the quick turnaround on the video. I get, And one of the big things you said about being fresher for the weekend, and you know, the chance to go harder in the practices and, and push a little more in practices has to be a pretty big factor rather than having to do it the night before when you need guys to not be pushed as much. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, playing in this league, I, I know, you know, firsthand what it's like to practice the night before a game. And um, I can only imagine, you know, I didn't think about it when I was a player, but as a coach, you know, you have to go hard at times and, and it's, it's taxing on the players uh, as the season goes on. So, um, for us, the midweek's real good. Keeps the legs fresh for a game day. But, you know, the other part is you can't guarantee that you're going to get that practice night before a game. Right. You know, if there's a flight delay or half the team loses their luggage on the flight or whatever the case, you know, snow delays, whatever the case is, it, it, it doesn't always happen. And, um, you know, you, you only get that practice once a week, so you, you really need it. So you can't have uh, you can't have nights where you really want to work on something and all of a sudden half your power play is not there at practice night before. So for us, it's good. And uh, I know it's uh, it's tough for some teams to, to try to get those practices in, but, you know, we like what we got right now. There's been a lot of change, as you mentioned, that basically the whole roster is pretty much turned over over the last uh, couple of years with a few, a few holdovers. Um, one player that's been inserted fairly recently is Sam Clare, and it looks to me like he's really provided a, a shot of adrenaline for the transition game. Um, wondering how you're feeling about the way that he's, he's playing, both in transition and also, I mean, he's still developing as a, as a defender. He's still fairly new to that role. I know he made the decision Hey, I'm not. I'm not getting there as a forward. Maybe my opportunity, like for so many guys, is to move to transition defense. And I'm wondering how you feel about the way he's playing in his own end and and moving into the transition role. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's tough on guys, uh, you know, to, to make that transition from from an offensive player to a defensive player. Um, and, and like you said, he's done that over the last few years. Um, so he really is, you know, learning that part of his game. The benefit of that is he's got such great hands around the net, so when he does get his chance, it's, uh, it's a good chance it's going in. He's got a, he's got a really good stick, and he's got speed to kill. So, um, you know, we talked with him and, and, and worked with him throughout training camp, and, you know, uh, open, open and honest with him. He, he had a bit of a tough game the first game he played, and, yeah. and we talked about that, and, and you know, he, he sat out for a bit and, and then got his chance, and, and he corrected all the things that were, you know, maybe not working for him in, in game one. Um He's, uh, he's been dynamite back there for us the last couple of games. And, um, just hoping, uh, you know, for a guy like that who, uh, who puts his time in, uh, you know, after being sat and coming out and, and, you know, putting some really good games together, just hope that the momentum stays with him as well because, yeah, he's doing really well and happy for him. And I found it interesting watching the, the game in New England. It almost looked like he takes an extra peak 
before he takes off in transition. Like there are times he's just standing his end. I mean, the one, the beautiful outlet pass from the crease that led to a goal was great where he was standing. I mean, you can't be any further back, but he definitely likes to take off up the floor, but it seems, I don't know. There are a few times I thought I saw him just kind of take one more look before he goes to make sure it's okay to leave. That's probably because uh, we've been saying yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a goal scorer or cross check or defense or you know a guy with the slides. You need to play defense and finish your shift before you think about going the other way. Yeah. Um, seen it way too many times where a guy leaks and goes and his guy's wide open to score a goal. So yeah. it's counterproductive. So for us, it's defense first, and, and when you get your chance, you'll know if, you, if, you, if it's open and you go. So uh, I'm I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, there was one time I remember thinking, boy, he left early, but it was okay because you, you had the ball. Maybe he just was well aware. Because I remember one time thinking, oh, you're, you're going already, but hey, it worked out. But uh, the uh, Now, another guy, I, you look at the defense, and obviously the defense has been great in the last couple of games, and it seems to me like cohesion has been a big thing. Really, the gang working together and everyone starting to get more and more on the same page. And obviously, Matt Beers, a leader for that for that group, such a beast. I, I, you know, I think one of the best in the game. But first of all, he wasn't there on on Saturday on, on the game on the weekend against New England. And secondly, I know there are other guys you like. And I mean, when we've talked, you've raved about Tyler Codron and how he's improved and the the role he's been able to take on. So um, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about those guys and and anyone else you'd like to kind of note as particularly improved or, or really doing something. To, to really help. Yeah, you know, Bruce, he's been, he's, you know, he's been good for so many years in this league, and he's a big body and, and understands the game, and, um, you know, for some guys, the game just slows down when it's, when it's coming at you, and, and he seems to be one of those guys, so um, he's been playing real well, and, and you know, he's such a leader in the dressing room, so he's huge for our group. Um, but yeah, Tyler Codron, he's, uh, he's, he's not a guy that many teams know about, he's really underrated, and um, just, he wants to win. Everything he does is about winning and, and you know doing it for the team and you know such a great teammate and um, you know he was he was he was he was a really really good player for a lot of years and, and then had a couple of injuries where um, he couldn't play um, but he's 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 bounced back over the last five years from those injuries and yeah, he showed up and we were in Colorado um, a year he got his second knee injury I think it was he was our best, one of our best defenders at camp and. Uh, it was devastating for us to, to, to lose a guy who was on the rise like that. And it's great to see him, um, you know, still doing his, uh, his thing. And he, he, is, he is so consistent back there. It's, that's what this group needs. So, yeah, I really have to with Tyler. But, you know, there's a bunch of guys. Chris O'Doherty, he's, he's come off a, uh, an Achilles injury. And you never know what's going to happen with guys with Achilles injuries. And he's, uh, he's bounced back. It took him a little bit over the um, World Championships to kind of get back into it. And, and through camp, we kind of ease him in. And really happy with uh, the progress he's made. He's uh, he stepped up and, and been a leader back there and, and playing some really good across for us. But uh, yeah, we have a lot of guys back there that are doing their job. And and if uh, Eric Penny keeps doing his job, uh, yeah. you know this this unknown group will uh, will keep surprising teams. I want to talk about speaking of kind of unknowns. You have sort of a handful of guys that could be seen as sort of reclamation projects, and uh, one of them 
is Keegan Ball, who's a guy who he was kind of around, he's kicking around, and then he was the guy everyone was always saying, especially people who watch Senior B, and they'd see him ripping it up in the President's Cup every year and say, man, this guy should be in the league. And a lot of times people see that and they don't necessarily see, you know, if they're not sort of experienced lacrosse folks, they may not see why a guy isn't in the league. But in this case, it kind of looks like they were right, right? That he, he clearly belongs. He's playing great. Guy that maybe doesn't look like he, either, you know, a tall, skinny guy, get pushed around. He doesn't really. Um, he's got a great stick. He, his mind for the game is unbelievable. He just wants to know more and learn and learn and he absorbs everything on the field. And you know, he's he's putting his two cents in on on scouting reports and you know that way he's unbelievable. But when you get him on the floor doing his thing, like he just needed a chance. He just needed a chance and and. And given this chance he's gotten, he just stepped up and, and kind of grasped it and said, I'm not leaving now, it's mine. So um, good for guys like that. Um, you know, there's, there's there's so many guys that just needed a chance and don't, don't need a chance to, to play in this league. So, um, you know, maybe there's a few more diamonds in that out there. And, yeah. It's interesting because I, I hear people all the time when, when there's talk of expansion and, you know, three more teams to get to 16 is the goal in the next few years. And then I know the league wants to keep going from there, but the 16 is kind of the benchmark that Nick Sakevich has set. And, and people are like, where are the players coming for three more teams? I'm like, look at the guys who weren't in the league, who get a chance and, and see what they do. And that brings me to another guy. If Keegan Ball isn't getting it done on the right side, then Jordan McBride is. He's got you know, 14 goals. Yeah. He was a revelation last year after, what, like five years out of the league. And the thing to me is, I think everyone had forgotten about him outside of, you know, the people who saw him in the WLA kind of make his comeback there. And it's so easy for everyone else to forget. And that makes it so the player has to have such mental toughness, I think, to not give up on themselves when everyone else is forgotten. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I just being with Colorado and, and, you know, seeing him around the rink and stuff. And he, he wanted to play. He, he was always kind of putting out there, I'm ready to play. I'm ready, I'm ready. Yeah. So these guys just got to keep their focus and, and, and want to, you know, have that will to want to play. And, and that's what Jordan was uh, was always doing, putting numbers up every year. And, you know, he got in the fire department. And um, over the last, I think, maybe three or four years, he's uh, really picked up on his fitness. And, um, you know, for a guy like that, he... Uh, he maybe wasn't the fittest guy, as a, you know, because he had all, all the talent in the world and just did his thing. But as you get older, you need to keep the fitness going, and, and I think mm-hmm. that's maybe been a big turnaround for Jordan. The one other guy that really stands out to me, and, and we have discussed him a little bit before, is Mike Mallory, who another righty who there's a bit of an overload, so he had a discussion with him, and he just goes back to play defense. And he's not out there setting the world on fire on defense, but he's – basically doing what you've talked about with some of the other guys, which is just playing a nice, solid, steady role game to game. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> um, Mike had a, he was a little snake bit up front there, and, uh, you know, he was, you know, he was pushing a little too hard, kind of getting frustrated with himself, and just told him, you know, just, just relax, you know, <laughs> you're not going anywhere. You're doing a lot of great things, and, and the numbers aren't, aren't, um, aren't, you know, being put up on the scoreboard. But like, the loose balls, uh, he was doing reverse transition, and when he was back there, uh, Clayton Richardson, our D coach, was like, Gilly, uh, we need to keep him on defense. He's too good to be up on offense. He's such a great defender. we got to keep him. And I'm like, yeah, well, 
let's just wait till McCready gets back, see how we do. So anyway, when McCready came back and, and we got you know the extra number, it was a no-brainer. Uh, Clayton was on the so uh, yeah, he's fit in real well. He uh, he just gets so many loose balls. He he, he understands the game real well. And, um, you know, he's gonna get his chance in, in reverse or in transition uh, mm-hmm. soon enough and start putting up some big numbers. So yeah, he's uh, he's been a big part of our defense and our loose ball team. That's such a nice addition to have when you've got somebody like that. And you mentioned it with you know Sam Clare, who'd been an offensive guy for so long, and. Uh, some of the other guys who go back there and have to learn the defense, and but you know get the hang of that. But then once they get up in the offensive zone, the hands are still there, and you see. I mean, we saw yeah. that with Sam Clare on that that first goal, which was incredible, and you see it with guys like Mallory, and that's a nice bonus when they do get yeah. into the offense, right? Yeah, for sure. And I know Mike from the from the WLA and, and the kid can score. He's got yeah. one of the best shots uh, that I've seen. So um, yeah, it's just a matter of time for him to put some, some numbers up. But. As long as he's keeping the numbers down on the backside, we're happy with that too. Yeah. You mentioned Eric Penny, who's been playing great, and of course that brings us to the goalie situation. And and he recently released Aaron Bold, and I know some people reacted with shock. I think that's people weren't really necessarily following things that closely. It's got to be hard to release someone who has been a very good player. Um, I mean, he's had the challenges in his personal life, of course, with Michelle, his wife, being ill, and that's been pretty public that, uh, you know, he shared the, what they've been going through. But, you know, as a coach and as a GM and as a management group, you've got to make decisions for the best of the team. I'm just curious, you go through the process, you make the decision, and then you have to execute it. And how, how you go about dealing with that with someone who's been such a good soldier um, for you and in the league for so long? Yeah, you know, Boulder uh, is a great guy, and... Um, it's unfortunate that you know had had to had to kind of go down this way, and you know we've been asking uh, you know both goalies after uh, training camp to you know step up and and make our life easy and and take that net and be our starter and whichever one wants to be the starter is going to be the starter. You got to you got to crew on the floor and do your job and do your thing and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know it, it was unfortunate that uh, you know it wasn't boldly, but uh, you know for a guy like Eric to, to step up and. and you know, we show him confidence that we want him to be our guy, and and you know, a lot of pressure on him this, this week here uh, with what happened, and and you know, he showed that he he can do it and step up and and, and make the big saves for us. So um, you know, good on him. And uh, like I said, it's unfortunate that Oldie's uh, no longer with our team, but you know, he's going to get his chance somewhere else. I know that he's uh, he's too good of a goalie not to be in this league. And, if there are special teams, that's an automatic guy. And, yeah. You know, there's some teams that might be struggling for uh, for goalies right now, and I'm sure he'll get picked up at some point here soon. So, yeah, yeah it's too bad for uh, for Goldie, but uh, you know, same hand. I'm really happy for Eric to step up like this. Yeah, goaltending is such a complicated position, and, and traditionally, it's something that where guys have really hit their peak, hit their top form in the. You know, mid to late 20s, usually like the 26, 27, 28 range. Eric Penny, of course, 26. And it's it's kind of funny that it seems to be the same cycle where people look at a young goalie and say, oh, he's got a lot of promise. He's going to be really good. Takes him a while to really find it. And people, a lot of people will kind of give up and be like, oh, no, I guess not. And then he gets it, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's like 26. It's actually almost a year or two early, it feels like, for Eric Penny to be hitting this, yeah. kind of finding his, that stride. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you, you see it all the time. Um, you know, how many goalies have been backups to 
real, you know, super stud starters, and and by the time they're 26, 27, it's their turn, and and they've learned from the, you know, the best so-called best player goalies in the league, and and now now they go out and do it. So you don't very often see the Christian Del Biancos of the world coming in and lighting up and you know making you know big waves in this league. So you know, 26, 27, 28. That's what uh, you know. That that's what we like in Eric, and. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was I was I was an offensive guy, not a goaltender. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I, try, I try my best to figure them out, but yeah, yeah, I don't think anybody can really figure that out. Yeah, you don't want to try and get too much into the mind of a goalie. I think that's, a, that's a, not a win-win for you. <laughs> it's you know, it's funny you talk about the guys who have done that, and if you go through the history, I mean, just grab a handful of guys that followed that exact profile. It includes Steve Dietrich, uh, Aaron Bold is a good example. Um, you know, so many of the great goalies. Cosmo. Cosmo. Cosmo was a backup to some really good goalies. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brandon Miller. That's crazy. What's that? Brandon Miller. Yeah, exactly. You know, for, yeah. yeah it's, uh, so it just, it, it happens. So. Yeah, I know. Uh, Bobby Watson had a lot of really good backups in, in, in yeah. his time in Toronto, and, and they went and become really good goaltenders. So, yeah, yeah it's just uh, it's a funny cycle, and, you know, it's maybe it just takes a while to to learn the game. Uh, you know, between the pipes and you're playing against the best every uh, every game, and it's not summer ball. It's it's you know it's the big league, so I'm sure it takes a little bit of time. So to wrap up, you're you're getting ready, as you said, for Buffalo, and like you said, you're feeling pretty good about the last couple of games, but not ready to, to pat yourselves on the back too hard with a with no. a three and four record and a lot to be done. What's the uh, the message? I guess that's pretty much the message, right, to the guys after after that last game and getting ready to, to keep going forward? Yeah, you know, uh, after the first couple of games of the year, we had, you know, you know, two, sometimes three good quarters in the class, and, and there was always that one quarter where we didn't play very well, and, right. and it cost us wins. So uh, after Philly, we had zero good quarters, okay. and we just talked after the game, saying, listen, fellas, let's just put four quarters together and see what we can do. Play our game, do our do our stuff, do our scouts, you know, prepare, get your fitness ready, whatever it takes. But let's play four quarters. So we did that against Colorado. Uh, we we uh, talked about it again in New England, and we did that. And I, I think the message is have trust in yourself, have trust in the player beside you, have trust in the team, and let's play our four quarters with caution and put it all out there and see how uh, see how we do. Um, we're confident. We play four quarters. We're we're going to be in every game, if not win every game, right? So. Um, it's hard to put four quarters together in this league because everyone's so good. So uh, yeah. that's kind of the message, but we have to buy into it and keep buying into it. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Always great to chat lacrosse with you and uh, look forward to seeing what happens this weekend. I'm still trying to make my pick for the uh, the staff picks on IL Indoor, which I don't know if anybody ever pays attention <laughs> to them or not, but I really yeah, think have about you, them. Have, have, you, have you picked us the last two weeks? Uh, I don't think so. I After Philly, I was so not... Don't, 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 just don't pick us the rest of the year. Okay. Keep, keep, doing, After, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> After Philly, I wasn't I wasn't feeling it, I gotta admit. Oh, so I don't just just keep doing what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stafford. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. We've looked at a variety of things in our weekly glimpse into the Arena Lacrosse League here on Box the Beat, and this week we're going to go another angle yet again as we look at an individual player who had quite a week and indeed quite a season so far, Cam Milligan, 
of the Whitby Steelhawks, who sit at 6-0 atop the standings, of course, without losing, in the Arena Lacrosse League. And Cam Milligan kind of mirrored Dane Smith's NLL weekend with Buffalo as they both had four goals and seven assists on the weekend. Uh, Smith was my first star for the NLL on IL Indoor. You can go check that out. And Cam Milligan was the first star of his game as Whitby won yet again, having to actually mount a comeback against their Derby Durham Derby rivals, the Oshawa Outlaws. So Milligan with four goals and seven assists, and he was as good as those numbers suggest. The shooting is great. His favorite shot is probably a little sidearm from near the top, kind of stepping to the left away from the very top of the formation on offense and drifting it back over to his right just inside the post. It is deadly because the goalie can hardly help but kind of drift over with him, and it just opens up that space, and he's so accurate. Milligan, probably not the best shooter in the league, although he's up there. Um, I'd say the best shooters, uh, Lane Smith has to be a factor. 22 goals in just four games. Um, you've got Luke Laskowitz from Oshawa, and another guy is uh, Jake McNabb, who hasn't played a ton of games, but is absolutely ripping it up. He's had just three games, has 13 goals, so over four goals a game. Uh, pretty impressive there. Now, the other side of his game is the assists, the passing. And Milligan, well, he doesn't lead the league in assists. That'd be Brian Newfeld with 30. John St. John is 27. Milligan's got 24 to give him a total of 40 points, which is... Uh, which is sitting second in the league, just behind Newfeld, who's at the top with 41. So that's 6.7 per game. But the just watching Cam Milligan pass the ball, his vision is amazing. He sees all over the floor and sees opportunities that I think most players don't see. I still remember back watching him play in a junior A game in Peterborough with the Lakers, and he threw a pass shorthanded, from just inside the restraining line where he had to stay, obviously, because you can't go back outside the restraining line or you lose possession while you're shorthanded. And he hit a cutter. Um, it may have been Kyle Killen, I don't, I don't quite recall, who was coming from the corner, heading to the net, had barely a half a step on his defender. And Milligan made a pass that he ripped from the restraining line, hitting the cutter in stride on top of the crease, for an easy tuck home shorthanded goal. It was one of the best passes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, all the elements of placement, speed, timing. It was it was unbelievable and vision. So a great weekend for Cam Milligan. He was one of the many players in the Arena Lacrosse League who obviously need to get a shot in the NLL or deserve a shot to uh, prove themselves in the NLL at some point. With expansion coming, that probably probably will happen. There are lots of other guys we're going to talk about down the road a little bit um, who have what it takes, I think, to have a shot. I'm not saying they're going to come up and be stars in the NLL, but there are a lot of guys who seem to have what it takes to play at the pro level and are just waiting for a chance. Or in the case of some of the guys I've mentioned, like Cam Milligan, John St. John, uh, you know, some of these guys are looking for another chance and a bit more of a chance because oftentimes the young player comes up, gets a look, doesn't have a great opportunity. I'm not saying anything against the teams that, that take a look. I think it's great that they're giving guys a chance. But, you know, you've got your established players that you're generally going to lean towards. So someone like a Cam Milligan, 
uh, Elaine Smith, who's addressing some fitness issues he had head on, taking the bull by the horns and just going at it and uh, doing a great job and absolutely lighting it up as well. There are some players in the Arena Lacrosse League that you're going to see down the road. Um, one other guy I'll mention quickly is Liam Osborne. Milligan's not even leading his own team in goal scoring. That's Liam Osborne with 21 goals through six games. Now, he's only got six assists. So Osborne may need to add some variety, some versatility, some nuance to his game to really catch on at the NLL level. But I'll tell you, he is an absolute powerhouse for a shorter player, but he is built like a, a brick house. And he has great a great first step, great quickness to get underneath. He scores so many goals going underneath. And this past weekend in the same game where Milligan had the 11 points, uh, Osborne had four or five goals, and a couple of them were, uh, were very different to the, the goals he usually scores, which is in close, cutting underneath, getting in tight and banging shots home. He went back on transition defense on one play, played the defensive shift, got the ball, sprinted up the floor full speed, ran away from people, and nailed a shot, an absolute laser on the run, which was something I wasn't aware that he had in his game at that level. So there's lots of talent in this league. And, uh, yeah, it's always fun to get to see the games and uh, hope you get to catch some. You can watch all the games. Go to arenalacrossleague.ca or you can go to JVI Sports Network's channel on YouTube. All the games are archived there, and you can see what's going on at the level just below the National Lacrosse League. Week 11 will actually mark, by one metric, the halfway point of the National Lacrosse season. Hard to believe we're already halfway there. It's week 11 of 22, so that's halfway. Now, we won't actually hit half of the games being played until week 13 because some of the early season weeks are a little bit sparse in terms of games relative to later in the season. So, there are five games this weekend. Friday night, you've got the Buffalo Bandits heading to Vancouver to face the resurgent Warriors, who you heard about earlier in the episode, talking to head coach Chris Gill. Saturday night, a couple of games, Colorado at Saskatchewan in a key West Division matchup in what is a very tightly bunched division. Only 1.5 games separating all five teams in the division. The other Saturday game is the expansion New York Riptide at the Calgary Roughnecks. And then on Sunday, both of the teams that play Friday night out in Vancouver are playing in the East Division in East Division cities on Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock, Vancouver will be in Rochester. And then at 3 o'clock, what to me personally is definitely the most exciting game of the weekend, the Buffalo Bandits visiting the Toronto Rock. And I'm going to be calling play-by-play -play for the BR Live broadcast of that game. I'll be alongside Brian Shanahan. So I'm pretty stoked to get back in the broadcast booth and get a chance to call an NLL game. And I just do want to say thank you to everyone who has messaged me and talks to me and says how much they enjoy hearing me call games and how much they wish I was calling games regularly and would like to see me doing it. I'm with you. I'd love to be doing it. I, I'm hoping it'll happen. And I do appreciate all the support. It's, uh, it's really nice to hear when, you know, you're not getting to do one of the things that you love. But I do get to call a lot of lacrosse games. I'm excited to that one of them is this Sunday in Toronto against the Bandits. That's the back of a 
end of a fairly tough two-game weekend for both Buffalo and Vancouver. Having the Friday nighter in Vancouver, then coming all the way across. At least they get the travel day in between, which should help quite a bit. But for for Buffalo, they're going to be coming in to play a rock team that even though they're missing a handful of stars and Tom Schreiber, um, Adam Jones, Latrell Harris, the Rock played very well. Big win last weekend, taking down Halifax, the first loss of the season for the Thunderbirds. So an interesting Week 11 on tap in the National Cross League. That is a wrap for this episode, number 11 of Season 8 on Box the Beat. Thank you, lacrosse friends, for being with me once again. I'm Stephen Stamp, your host. My thanks to Chris Gill, the head coach of the Vancouver Warriors, for a great conversation. Looking forward to more Box the Beat, more NLL and ALL action, and lacrosse from around the world covered here on Box the Beat, the best of lacrosse radio. Yeah.